Thanks so much for being here today. You probably saw the topic. You probably clicked through knowing what you're getting yourself into, but you're in for a treat because we have Elizabeth, aka Libby, aka Diary of an Honest Mom, Libby Ward on the show today. And we are talking all sorts of things from content creation and and burnout, creativity, all the way through to slapping labels and throwing the word mom on all sorts of things from guilt to rage and entrepreneur. We had such an incredible conversation and I'm so happy to, to share this with you. Libby Ward is a digital creator. If you're not following her, you definitely should on TikTok, on Instagram. She's also a speaker and a mental health advocate with a deep commitment to breaking the cycles of trauma. Every week, Libby's content reaches millions, okay? Millions of people around the world. And she has grown a dedicated community on social media in a very short amount of time. And we talk about this as well. She's been recognized as a mental health advocate by TikTok. She's been featured on all sorts of shows from the Tamron Hall Show, CHCH, Global News, Motherly Insider. The list goes on, all sorts of outlets around the world. And as a thought leader in today's difficult and complex experiences of mental health, Libby is focused on reaching more women and her perspectives are, are around changing stories through speaking engagements and brand partnerships and making a real impact. You will fall in love with her authentic content if you haven't seen it yet. This conversation really just sheds light on her world and, and how she's viewing things, how she is um, working within her business now and the things that she has put together to help moms really lead a life of, of compassion and of love. And if this conversation resonates with you and you think you could use a little extra help, please head to the podcast notes for this episode and add yourself to the wait list to be the first to know about my next workshop called You First, Making the Shift to Better Balance 2.0. Along with research-backed findings and advice, we dive deep to create change and make shifts to your mindset, body, and soul. It is a beautiful and transformative experience that I only offer a couple of times a year. So please, please, if you feel called to, add your name to the list so that we can send you all the details and you can decide if it is for you. With that all being said, let's just dive in and get started. Welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. I'm your host, Andriana Gonko. A few years ago, burnout nearly cost me that happy, fulfilled life that I'd always dreamed of. Every day left me feeling overwhelmed with stress at work, at home, and just with life in general. I felt like I was constantly running and couldn't catch my breath. So I embarked on a journey of finding better balance, of learning how to prioritize my own needs, of shifting my mindset to live with more ease and balance, of learning how to do more without the pressure of doing it all. And I discovered that letting go of the need for a perfect life opened up opportunities to bring in more joy. So I am sharing my experience and my learnings with you so that you don't have to struggle. I wanna show by example how liberating and empowering it can be to silence expectations to learn how to live through the chaos of work and family with grace, joy, and ease. So what do you think? Are you with me? Let's get started. Libby, welcome back to the Juggle is Real podcast. This time we're recording. So thank you so much for being here again. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. I mean, we had a great conversation and this one's going to be even better. I love everything that you're doing, all of the help that you are offering to this world that really, really needs it, especially moms. And I love how that you're breaking cycles. You're really helping to create that new narrative around motherhood. And I have so much that I want to talk about, but a few things that really come to mind that I wanted to just dive into right away is kind of around the whole content creation side of things and and your perspectives on that. Because as I learned, you started all of this, you know, through TikTok during the pandemic and no one had really anywhere to go or anything to do. Things have evolved since then. You have, you know, more than just maybe your family members following you for a good laugh. You've moved into the Instagram space and you're just sharing so much. And um, it's been really incredible to see. Why do you think you've had so much success and impact in, in the social media space? You've amassed such a large following in a relatively short amount of time, which isn't really, you know, it's not really common these days, especially with all of these algorithms and all these things. I personally have a theory, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it first. Well, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. It's always um, interesting to hear other people's perspective on what you do and how things have grown. Cause for me, I'm just living life day to day, sharing my life. And when I step back and see how big my community online has grown, how quickly it truly is shocking. So I, when I think about where my life was at, when I started sharing on TikTok, you know, three years ago, and when I think about my life now, it has changed a lot. But what hasn't changed is my desire for connecting with other women and other mothers and talking about the things that nobody else is talking about. You know, I spent a long time feeling really alone in my mental health struggles and the way I grew up and my motherhood struggles. And knowing that there was other women going through the same things that I was going through has not only been incredibly healing for me, but has helped other women. And I think it grew so quickly because we were all learning at the same time that we weren't alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have an ability to connect dots that not a lot of other people are able to connect. There's a lot of spaces on the internet where we only talk about trauma and the impact of our trauma on our personalities and our lives, or we only talk about mental health or we only talk about how society affects us, or we only talk about our marriages. And the thing I've realized is that the reasons we struggle in motherhood and in life so much aren't because of one thing. It's not just because I have ADHD. It's not just because I need to work on my marriage. It's not just because of how my mom raised me. It's we're a complete mosaic of all these different things. And a lot of times we feel misunderstood when we get labeled as one thing or when we label mm. our problems having one source or one root when it's really so connected. And I think I have an ability to open people's eyes in either a funny way or a heartfelt way to recognize the many things that are impacting them and to validate them. So they know they're not crazy and to then actually help them grow. Yes. You know, I started off by just making funny content and I realized that's, it's not it. It's not enough to just laugh about our problems. It's great. And it's therapeutic, but that's not enough to enact change. 
And, and then I started making heartfelt content and I realized I can't just make heartfelt content about the hard things that we go through because it can be a little bit depressing. And I've really come to this EOS of let's validate that what we're going through is a real thing that we're not crazy, but let's actually look for ways to change that. And we can't Mm -hmm. look for ways to change that. If we're only ever looking at one source, we have to look at all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really so nuanced. And I, I like the term that you use with the mosaic because it is like, there's so many things that are interconnected and it really is just that puzzle of all sorts of different things. And it, and it changes as we grow, as, as the days change, like it can change with, you know, the weather, you know, can change our moods. So I, I love that you um, can appreciate that and that you're growing with your community. I, I personally think that you just have such a sincere mission of being of service and you truly like deep down, you're not like, I'm an influencer and I'm, you know, here to get the likes, right? It's like, you have this deep rooted empathy and you're here to, to be of service, to help and to make an impact to, to make change. And it's, it's really cool to see. And there are so many blessings that go along with this kind of impact that you're making, the barriers that you're breaking down and all of the people that you are helping. But does it ever feel like a burden? You know, now that you have this platform, do you feel an extra weight knowing and and hearing from so many people who perhaps aren't doing really well or need support, but don't have it? Is it sometimes just too heavy for you to carry? And I'm just wondering how you manage this because- you know, we all have our own things. Is it sometimes heavy to carry the burden of others or have you learned how to, to deal with that sort of thing? It's super heavy. I mean, I haven't figured out any type of formula to figuring it out. I would say that if you had told me that I was going to grow a platform of this size, I wouldn't have believed you. And if you would have tried to explain to me the complexity and the depth of the pressure that I would feel on a day-to-day basis, I wouldn't have understood that either. It's not something you can really explain, you know, aside from the sheer number of messages and DMs and emails and comments and just feedback from the world that I get. It's also because I have such a deep mission in what I do and because I genuinely do want to help, it's really hard to switch off. So even when my phone or my computer is not in my hand, my brain is always thinking about other people, about the struggles they're going through, about the needs they have, about the ways those needs aren't being met, about how I can help them more. Um, and it is heavy. It's not heavy enough to make me not want to do it. You know, my my life mission is to make other people's lives better and to help them. But it definitely is one of those struggles that's really hard to package up and explain because it seeps into so many different areas of my life. And it's something that I'm continuously working on managing in a healthy way so I can continue to have compassion and impact and balance in my life. Yes, that's great. And I know, you know, you, you seek out help for different areas of your life and you see a therapist and there's many ways that you're caring for yourself through movement and, and, and all sorts of different things, which is really great because we've seen in the social media space more recently that there's just so much pressure for creators to just churn out constant, uh, content constantly. Right. And, and I think that can be a lot too, is like, you're only as good as your last post type of mentality. So how do you find that creativity? How do you get that energy to keep creating? Because the the content that you are, are 
posting is so relatable. It's raw and it's funny. Like there are so many different aspects that make people love it. Where do you find that spark, that creativity? How do you get these ideas and not feel that pressure? Or if you are, you know, getting over it to be able to, to help others in the way that you're doing. Hmm. I don't have a formula, but I would say that the ways that I have gotten out of content funks in the past, when I have felt either burnt out or not creative or pressured to post when I don't want to post is actually stepping away. And honestly, sometimes it's physically stepping away and taking, you know, a couple days or a day or other times it's mentally stepping away. So almost stopping myself from thinking about content, forcing myself to consume content in just a consumer way, not consume content in a, how can this inspire me? How could I use this trend? How could I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, being a content creator changes the way you consume content. And so I have to force myself to go back into just go enjoy this content. And it's when I do that, that that's when I get these like brilliant or funny or heartfelt ideas that then you know, make the content that, you know, I love to make and people love to engage with, but it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I saw a post on social media the other day that was saying how hard it is to be a creative when your business and what you do is on social media, because the thing that helps you to rejuvenate and be more creative is to take breaks. But when you take breaks, that's when the algorithm punishes you. Mm. And so it's really hard when you take even one day or two days away, you then have to spend a lot of time building up your engagement again, because the algorithm, you know, isn't happy when you don't post or when you're not there. So it's kind of counterintuitive and tricky to manage. But what I, I sometimes do is when I have a flood of content come to me, or when I make a bunch, I will save some of it so that on those days when I'm just brain dead and can't think of anything to post. I have something in my, in my back pocket. Yeah. Or you're like, I'm just, I'm going on a trip with my family. I'm spending time with my kids. Like at least then there's not like that load or that pressure of like, now I have to think of something, you know, on the fly. I think that can be helpful. It's funny because I just went to Great Wolf Lodge with my family and I had arranged my schedule so that I could check out while I was gone. And interestingly, I was mentally checked out and I got all these amazing, hilarious ideas for TikToks and reels that I could make at Great Wolf Lodge. I had said to myself, you're not going to make videos. You're just going to, you know, enjoy yourself. You're not going to think about it. And I just had like idea after idea after idea. And it just came naturally. (laughs) Fascinating is that. And because most of the time, you know, I work from home, my kids are in school now. I am in work mode, you know, I'm on my computer, I'm doing administrative stuff, I'm running a business and I'm making content. It can be hard to come up with content. And sometimes it's stepping away and just living life that makes me go, oh yeah, let's make that post. And then it does. This is something, this is something people need to know. Yeah. Not, not so much about the accounting and bookkeeping side that people care about anymore. I want to shift a little bit because I love the new narrative you are creating for motherhood. And I think we still have a lot of labels to shed. And I love how you are making shifts in those areas. You know, we talk about 
all of these words and we just slap the word mom in front of it. And all of a sudden it's like these bad things or these things that are somehow different um, that we wouldn't slap in front of, say, you know, the word put dad in front of it, you know, so I'm talking mom guilt, I'm talking shame, I'm talking rage, I'm talking, you know, mompreneur. And I want to maybe get some of your perspectives on this, because I know you have such great insights in how to shift this and also how we can think about it ourselves differently, because, you know, in some ways, these aren't bad things, you know, to be a quote unquote mompreneur. However, when we are not looking at it in an equitable way, then that's how the dynamic shifts. So just to start, I want to just go in, I'll dive deep on the mom guilt thing, because it's something that you speak of a lot. I love how you split the topic into two parts of mom guilt. Can you just give us a really quick overrun of what you feel mom guilt is, and then what is like that silly stuff that we don't really need to be feeling bad about. So when we feel guilt, it is about something that we have done that doesn't align with our values. And guilt can be productive. You know, it doesn't align with my values that I scream at my children when I have just stubbed my toe and they ask me what's for dinner. You know, that is unwarranted. I should feel a level of guilt about that because that's not something I want to do, but it's a matter of what do I do with that guilt? Do I apologize and repair? Do I try to do better next time? You know, what can I do? You know, the guilt is an alert system to say, Hey, something is off here. Something needs to change. And so that is actual guilt. And as moms, we can feel guilt. Do we need to call it mom guilt? I'm not sure, but people do because when we become moms, we feel guilty about a lot of things and we could go into that. But guilt is when you've actually done something wrong and it can be productive. The other type is people call it mom guilt. I call it stupid guilt. I call it shame. I call it any number of other things. And that is the guilt we feel for having human needs. So you feel guilty for needing a nap when you didn't sleep last night because you're up with your kid all night. You feel mm -hmm. guilty for having a snack before you feed your toddler lunch because you're eating before they are. Meanwhile, if you eat, it's actually helping you not be hangry and maybe you'll deal with your toddler better. You feel guilty for wanting to go to the grocery store alone. Stupid guilt or shame is that quote unquote mom guilt that we feel for things that are just human needs, for being hungry, tired, for needing socialization, for just having human needs. And society makes us feel like when we become moms, we shouldn't have needs anymore and we should just be selfless. And so when we have needs, it makes us feel as though those are bad things. Those are shameful things. We should be ashamed of wanting to sleep or wanting to be away from our children. Those aren't things we need to feel ashamed of or, or guilty of. So I think it's important to separate what is guilt that is pointing to something that we have done that we need to fix or change or focus on? And what is something that we are calling guilt that isn't actually guilt? It really is shame. Right, right. And it's, I guess, something that when we're aware, when that feeling creeps up, we can just quickly ask ourselves like, okay, why am I feeling this way? Is it something that I, I, I need to change? Or is it something that is going to better me and it's going to allow me to then be a better mom, be a better wife, friend, be, you know, care for myself in a better way that's going to allow me to show up. Now, this distinction between separating grief from guilt is mm -hmm. something that I haven't seen 
very often. And it is something that I really appreciated that you tackled. Can you just share with the listeners how we can recognize this? Because this is, this was new to me. And when I was consuming your content and posts about, it, I was like, yes, that is, that is mm-hmm. incredible. And it, it it's so helpful. So how do you recognize and separate grief from what we might be just labeling as quote unquote mom guilt unknowingly. And don't we just put mom guilt. We slap that label on every negative feeling we have as a mom that Mm -hmm. it's as though we've done something wrong, but maybe it isn't that there's good and bad and right and wrong. Maybe we're just humans experiencing human things and having natural human emotions about them. Like when my second born came along and I went through postpartum depression and I disassociated from my experiences with my kids so much because I was so exhausted and overwhelmed and depressed that I couldn't fully engage in them. I missed out on so many memories and on being truly present with my kids and on really being there with them. And as my kids grew up and I looked back on those moments, I would feel such deep sadness about it and loss. And eventually, after thinking, I spent some time thinking that I was a bad mom for not enjoying those moments. And I eventually realized that I wasn't a bad mom. I was going through a bad situation and it was hard on me. And I actually went through loss. And when I realized that it was a loss, I thought, wait a second, there's a word for the sad feelings we have about loss and it's grief. You know, I'm grieving my children's early years when I wasn't in a great place mentally, or I'm grieving that, you know, my husband works a non-typical job and that he's not there for a lot of our memories as a family. I don't need to feel guilty that I'm stretched to capacity and can't give them my everything. I need to grieve the fact that our life looks different than other families' lives and allow myself to feel sad and allow myself to feel the loss and acknowledge it. It doesn't mean that you sit in it and you, you know, just feel sorry for yourself, but in allowing myself to feel sad and allowing myself to notice those emotions and acknowledge that I actually had a loss It wasn't that I did something wrong or that I was a bad mom, that I experienced loss. It gave me such peace. So when I talk to other moms about guilt and grief, I like to have them think about the thing they're feeling guilty for and the actions that they took or didn't take and the emotions they feel, naming the emotions for what they actually are. So what actually happened and what are you feeling about that? Did you do something that was bad or wrong or not in alignment with your value system? Or did you go through a loss? And maybe you went through a loss and it caused you to do something that wasn't in alignment with your value system. So let's say I'm overextended as a mom of a toddler and a baby, and I am going through a loss of, you know, being able to enjoy those moments, but maybe also in those moments, because I'm overwhelmed, I'm yelling at my kids more. And maybe there is guilt that goes along with it. Those are also two separate things to realize. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can grieve something and also say, you know, I did some things I'm not proud of and to give yourself grace or ask for forgiveness or, you know, there's different things we can do, but it's really important to say what part of it is guilt and what part of it is grief. And maybe it's actually just grief. Yeah. And then 
when we can find this awareness and understand these different feelings, these different emotions, the different reasons behind it, then I think it allows us to find support in a way that's going to be to, you know, of our highest good, right? That's actually going to help us heal or help us move forward in a way that's, you know, going to serve us better in the long run. And this is where I love that you actually share, you know, we don't have to slap mom rage in front of it. You know, we are allowed to feel emotions. We're allowed to have feelings. So yeah, so like rage cleaning and all of these things that we're talking about, you know, let's think what is the emotion behind it? Like, what am I actually feeling so that I can be supported and look for ways to to help myself in that moment. So the the final one, because you might you might get this label sometimes because you are uh, a successful business owner, you have a team, you have amassed this incredible platform, you're out speaking, you're doing things. Um, the mompreneur thing. I just your thoughts, um, how you've experienced it, you know, having, be, be a female who has children and runs a business, I guess that means you're a mompreneur. But what are your thoughts on the umbrella term? Do you have advice for those who are listening, who are also juggling motherhood in their careers, maybe with or without the label? I would just love to know your thoughts. I can't handle it. <laughs> I mean, I try to be um, nice, of course, when I talk about it. But whenever I hear the word mompreneur, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Because I think it just takes away from what you're actually doing. You know, as women, as mothers, we are incredibly capable and and we can do so much and we do do so much. And yet, mompreneur seems like it sits under the pyramid of entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, you're up here at the top doing X, Y, Z. Mompreneur is like a sub version of that, which makes Mm -hmm. absolutely no sense. Because if you're a mom and you're running a business, you are like carrying all the things, doing all the things, using all your skills. And this label, I feel like it takes away from what we actually do. And I don't see anyone saying dadpreneur. I don't see anyone attaching dad to the beginning of a label. And I don't think that we need it there. I think that we can just say that we're entrepreneurs. And I just hope that, you know, if there's any women listening to this who have called themselves a mompreneur, I don't want you to feel judged. I I think that it has been used in an empowering way to say, I'm a mom and I'm running a business. So I'm yes. a mompreneur and I should be proud. And I get that. You should should be so proud of yourself for doing what you do. But I think that by calling ourselves mompreneurs or by calling other women mompreneurs, it almost takes away from what they're doing because it's like, you're not quite an entrepreneur, but you absolutely are. And I don't think that we need to, um, make what we are doing look like it is less meaning yeah. as women we often downplay what we do you know we co- people compliment us we don't quite know how to take it you know people highlight what we're doing we kind of shy away and i think that we should be able to be proud of what we do and i don't think that we need a special label to do that i think we can just own entrepreneur cuz that's yeah Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for that. Now, as we're, as we're wrapping up, as we're closing things, I just would love some actionable takeaways from you 
you are so helpful when it comes to um, providing insights and things that have helped you and, and different supports from, you know, other creators or modes of, of support that we can tap into. So just write really quickly, like regardless of budget or, you know, the, the type, the level of support someone might have, whether they have a village or not, what are some of those essentials that you think every mom should have in her tool belt? Self-awareness. Self-awareness is the number one thing that every person, especially every mom needs. Self-awareness is what's going to help you to not compare yourself to other moms. It's going to help you notice what supports you have available to you that you can actually reach out to. It's going to help you be aware of the roadblocks you have so that rather than feeling guilty or bad about not being able to do X, Y, Z, you can just say, Hey, this is not something that's available to me right now. It's not something I need to feel bad about. I just can't do it. So for example, I know that I don't have the village or support network that I wish that I had. And once I became aware of my own circumstances and stopped and was like, Hey, wait a second. I don't have four grandparents that live around the corner that I can call on if I need something rather than looking at my friend who does have that and saying, look how clean her house is. Look how nice her diaper bag is. Look at all these different things she's able to do. I should be able to do that. I said, that's not something that I'm actually able to do. So I shouldn't be expecting myself to do that. So having self-awareness helps you to stop comparing. It helps you to make realistic expectations for what you should actually be able to do in a day, what should you should be able to buy, all that kind of stuff. And it helps you also to know what your values are. So before I stopped to ask myself what was important to me, I was looking to everyone else to figure out yeah. what I do. You know, I'm surrounded. I live in Canada. I think you live in Canada. Mm -hmm. There's all these sports families, hockey families. I have nothing against them. But I had this impression that if we were to fit in, our kids needed to go into hockey. And it wasn't until I stopped and was like, wait a second, I don't know anything about hockey. My husband doesn't know anything about hockey. We don't care that much about it. Why am I going to be spending my time and money on something that isn't even that valuable to us? You know, we value other things. And so it's taking that time to stop and be like, wait a second, what are my values? So get aware of your values, of your supports, of your roadblocks, and then just focus on those things. You're going to be able to lower your expectations and find a lot more time and energy to do things when you get rid of all the noise that comes from what society tells you you should be doing and just listen to yourself because you know a lot more than you give yourself credit for. Oh my God. Yes. Now I, I am a hockey family, so I can, I, I feel you in that regard, regard. because, because like my husband was a hockey player. So he's the coach of the teams. And so he, he's the one at all the practices, but I had to give up, you know, like my, my living room is just like, there's hockey bags everywhere, you know? So it's like, there's certain things that we just have to, like my house is not pristine and I have three boys and, you know, so there's different things that would have really bothered me in the past that I have had to release and let go of. But I, I think that with the awareness when we're not judging ourselves, when we have compassion for ourselves, then we're also not looking out 
externally, we're not judging others. We're not even saying like, oh, look at that person or that person. We're just allowing ourselves to lead from a place of love and, you know, kindness and what is best for our family in this moment. And things may change, you know, but what is, what is right for us right now? And you've, you've recently, um, you know, a few months ago released a journal, I think that might help moms become more self-aware, um, help us go through these feelings, maybe tackle some of these topics from a place of love and grace. And, uh, for those who don't know, it's called the honest mom journal, the struggling mom's guide to struggling less. I'm going to link it in the podcast notes, but can you walk us through this process? Um, how did you get this idea? How did it come together? And, um, what's the feedback been? I know so many people have been impacted. I would just love to know as we close out. Yeah. So it's called the honest mom journal, struggling mom's guide to struggling less. And you can grab it on Amazon. I made this as a free printable that I released about six months ago because I had a lot of moms messaging me asking how to build self-awareness, how to fight mom guilt, how to lower their expectations. They didn't even really know where to start. So I made a free printable within a week of releasing it, you know, my email list had grown by 5,000 people who had downloaded this thing. And I had so many questions about it. People saying, Hey, I would love it if this was actually in a book format. So I thought, I don't really know how to do that. I, and someone recommended Amazon. So I just got it printed on Amazon super quick. Cause I wanted to get this tool into people's hands and it is just blown up. Like over 5,000 people have purchased this journal, I've got so many messages about it. And it's based around self-awareness about getting honest with yourself about your circumstances. So it's a five minute guided journal, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at nighttime. I made it super short because I know that moms don't have time or attention span. And there's five small sections to fill out some check boxes to help you set your intentions and your expectations for the day with a realistic, you know, to-do list and a place to get aware of your supports and your roadblocks. And then, um, in the evening to look at places where you're proud of the things that you feel good about a good memory you had with your kids that day. And then to look at something that you're feeling guilty about and figure out what type of guilt it is and what you can actually do with it. So it's really helped to help you meant to help you build self-compassion to fight mom guilt, to lower your expectations and just to become more self-aware in your day-to-day life so that you can struggle a little bit less. Ah, oh, so beautiful. I, I love my morning routine. And I think, you know, for so many of us, we can set an intention in the morning, the day goes by in a blur, then we're exhausted at the end of the day. Maybe we feel like crap, maybe whatever it is, we numb ourselves out, we go to bed, but I, I love that it's quick snippet in the morning. We set our intention. We start in the right mind frame. And then we go about our day and then we can celebrate because I think there's so many things we often overlook or moments that we kind of might blaze over or, and we can just recognize that. And we're going to bed in a space of probably gratitude of compassion of love for ourselves. And I think, you know, that, you know, there's science behind how that shapes the brain, how that shifts the brain that allows us to go to bed and then wake up the next morning to repeat the whole thing. There's challenges, there's things, but I, I love that it's sort of like sandwiched in between in a quick and easy way. So thank you so much for that, Libby. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me today. Now, how good was that? I mean, come on. Just Libby is incredible. She is an amazing person. She truly has a big heart. And I think her compassion for women and for moms really just shines. That energy is so apparent in speaking with her and in following her content. I have included 
links. If you if you aren't following her at Diary of an Honest Mom on Instagram or TikTok, you can find them in the notes. And I also included the link to her new journal, which is so helpful to moms. And if you'd like more details on the next workshop that I'm holding to help you create space for yourself, lose the guilt and put yourself first so that you can better be equipped to serve those around you, please head to the show notes for this episode in your podcast player and add your name to the list for all of the details. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would tap a quick rating, write a short and sweet review and share it with one friend. I love that you came here to listen to this interview and to be here with me on the Juggle is Real podcast. Until the next time, take good care.